Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 266 of the Keep Moving Forward podcast with me, your host, Anthony Domenico, coming to you live every Monday night, live 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Facebook. But as always, the podcast is available at anchor.fm slash KMF podcast. Also available on iTunes. And while you're there, please do not forget to five-star rate and review. I love reading reviews. I love sharing them on social media and bragging about the best podcast listeners out there. That is you guys. So please, five-star rate and review. There is a new bonus episode over on the Patreon page, patreon.com slash Podcast. That's where I put all the bonus episodes, one each month at least. I probably might do another one. I did something a little different. I did like a little dashboard confessional where I just opened the microphone on my car and uh, just talked as I was driving home and probably said more than I wanted to, but check it over, check it out over at patreon.com slash KMF podcast. Builtbar.com is the place to get the best tasting protein bar out there. They're dropping new flavors like crazy. Check it out. Builtbar.com. Use code WWBROPODCAST. You'll save 10% on your order. Sail Away Coffee, the best nitro brew out there. My favorite uh, nitro brew, Long Island Company. Ships all over the country. Sailawaycoffee.com. Use code WWBRO10. You'll save 10% on your order as well. He was on a couple of weeks ago. My buddy John Ziegler just released his uh, comedy special, John Ziegler Getting My Affairs in Order. He's also on Instagram for the first time ever. And uh, I never thought this would happen. I guess this is what happens when you get terminal cancer, you get on Instagram. But check him out at John Ziegler Comedy on Instagram. Uh and his special, right in the link. Click it. Watch the special, John Ziegler getting my affairs in order. You guys, you know that was a joke. You guys heard the episode. John is doing good. Um, so definitely go and check that out. And um, we're going to stay with the, the comedian theme tonight. Um, happy to have uh, another comedian on the show tonight. Ralph Anthony, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing all right, brother. Thank you for having me, man. Oh, thanks for coming on. Uh, I see that you got a new album out. Uh, your yeah. first, your first album, Forty for Forty. I love the name. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. When I hit on it, uh, I was just really, really pumped for it, man. Uh, obviously, it's a takeoff of ESPN's Thirty for Thirty. I love the uh, series. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know, I was just, it was something I always wanted to do, and um, and over COVID, you know, being in New York on lockdown, all I did was just write and do Zoom for literally fifteen months. And, um, and so I, I written and worked out probably like two or three hours worth of material and took a lot of my favorite jokes and just put them on, uh, put them on my first, uh, my first album. That's so, awesome. uh, yeah, man, it was, it's, um, it was pretty rad. I, I'm, I'm really proud of myself. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think it's, I, I think it's pretty dope. No, you, you have to be, you, you got, that's the thing too. You, you, you gotta be excited about it because like you said people don't know really i guess what goes into putting together a, a full-length album it's 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 nights and clubs it's on the road it's all the, it's all this it's not the glamorous stuff people watch stand-up specials and it looks great it's here we go and everything's yeah. nicely produced and and we're having a good time but no it's not leading up to it, it's not so fun sometimes and uh yeah people like you know oh my god it, it took you so long to do this now is it, this is your first, you said your first album. How long have you been doing comedy for? So I've been doing comedy for eight years now. Eight years. And okay. So I, I did my first hour. Yeah. And so I did my first hour at Caroline's. Uh, I was one of their breakout artists to end okay. 2019. Okay. And so that's where I did my first hour. Uh, but then the world ended and I had all this material and I was like, well, I don't know. Well, I don't know what to do with this. The yeah. world is ending. I mean, do people even listen to comedy right now? So, uh, so I just shelved it. And so I got this whole other hour that I can pull back out, rework and, awesome. and put out there pretty quickly. Um, so that might be album number two. I'm not really sure, but, um, this was just, um, this was something special, man. And it was done. I did it back home in my home club. Shout out to laugh it up, uh, comedy club in Poughkeepsie. Great uh, club. And the Great staff, club. Uh, just, Right, just phenomenal. So easy to work with, um, and uh, and it was just it was a nice homecoming, man. Nice, yeah. It is. It is a great club. To, it is very easy going. Cal's awesome. Um, yeah. I had a blast while I was up there. Nice. Uh, it's just you know because I've worked 
for so many, you know, you work for so many club owners and clubs where it is like a, a, a pain in the ass and it's just drama and <laughs> politics. It's weird yeah. when you walk into a place and it's like, oh, hey, man, what's up? Uh, yeah, you're doing this tonight. And, all right, I'll see you later. And it's like, wait, don't you want to, like, yeah. you know, yell at me or something or make me feel bad about myself before I go on stage? Yeah, it, it's kind of wild. Um, it's kind of wild. I mean, honestly, since everything opened up, I don't really – I don't really even work in New York anymore. So I don't really deal with a lot of the clubs here. Yeah. And, um, and so being on the road, I find that a lot of the club owners are just very, uh, nice, receptive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they just make it easy. Um, yeah, it they just make hard. it really easy. Yeah, it's comedy. We're just doing some stand up. It's, you know, we're gonna, you're going to sell some drinks. You're going to sell some fries. We're going to, you're going to make money. We're going to have a good time. That's, that's it. That's it, dude. That's not that it, hard. Man. Yeah, it's like literally. It, why are we making this more complicated? Stop stressing me out. Like, if I'm the host and you want me to do twenty up top, like that's okay, good. Let's let's go. Just give me the announcements. Like that. that that's it. We're fine. I know people you make know? it, uh, and it's both sides too. It's just like you know, I like to just show up, stress free, do my time, have a good, you know, get some chicken, and uh, we'll head home. Well, and that's it. And and so I think sometimes as comics, we look at it from the comic perspective, but you got to look at it from these owners. Like comics aren't easy to deal with. No. We are <laughs> fucking pain in the ass sometimes. Uh, you know, I mean, even just hosting, even just working locally, mm-hmm. you get a comic and you're like, if you're, ho- if you're hosting, you're just like, hey, what kind of, you know, what credits do you want me to bring up? One, maybe two. Okay. Don't know three, four, five, six credits like that. No, stop. Yeah, because no one remembers really what you know they heard no. you from or anything like that, and you know, not at all. And I, I coming up like in the in the governors' clubs, um, you know, we always had that mentality of like, yeah, it doesn't doesn't matter really where like you know what the credits are like. So when we started headlining, like you know, my crew started headlining, we never really cared. We were like, yeah, just say yeah. the podcast name. If you don't get it right, I don't think you get my name wrong. I don't care. Like it's not a big deal. Yeah. That's it. Friend of the club, friend of the show. Yep. That's it. Your next comic. Uh, I've, I've heard that from quite a few people, uh, people that like are really just respected, uh, in this business where they're just like, just bring me up as your next comic. Like that, that's it. Um, you know, and, uh, and you know, just like comics in general, like we're not known for being on time. Like we're always late, you know, I gotta get my drink before (laughs) I go up. I gotta go get high before I go up. And it's like, listen to you know, just calm, just calm yourself. Yeah. Beyond time. I mean, that's, that's something I preached. Like, you know, if any other young comic asks me, like what thing is make show up, be on time. Like don't have the booker worry about where you are. Yeah. You know, much. just, just be on yeah. time. And I, I'm like, my nature is to be on time. Like, you know, just like, you know, my day job, everything. I'm like, I get anxiety if I'm not like, you know, on time, if I'm going to be late. Uh, so when I started cool. comedy, it was just a natural thing to be, you know, uh, at least a half an hour early. I like to trip be an hour early. Um, just to, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. I was one of those, like I'm on time. <laughs> I'm on time. <laughs> uh, you know, which, uh, yeah, it's not always a good, good thing to be. You want to be early. You gotta be early. I I've really, um, yeah, you gotta be early. Just that's it. Just yeah. respect the club. Absolutely. Respect the show. Absolutely. So I always like when I have a comic on, you know, especially this is the first time we're actually talking. Um, yeah. I always want to know like what the origin story is. Like how did stand up become something that you wanted to do? <laughs> like, you know, cause I'm a nerd, so I use origin story, but like, what was it yeah. that like, what was the bug that bit you that get you into do stand up comedy? So it's, it's actually kind of funny. Cause when I, when I was 14, I worked as a bar back and a bus boy in my friend's parents comedy club uh it was up in new paltz upstate new york it was called the laughing wolf and so there i was i was just this this skinny kid just hanging out i never wanted to be home so like it was just a natural natural place for me to gravitate to and you know i had met comics like uh i met ray romano before he got the show right as he got the show or right before he got the show like kevin meany richard jenny um uh, Michael Winslow, just like names in this business. And, um, and it was awesome, but I never, like, it never registered with me. Like this is, I could do this for a living. Yeah. Like I could make this my life. And, um, and so fast forward 15 years later, I uh, I used to be a real fucking booze bag, man. Um, 
Oh God. I was <laughs> Dude, when I tell you I was a drunk, I might as well just a fucking swam in a bottle of Patron. Like that's it was bad. Um and so one fourth of July weekend, I just dude, I fucking I got in a little bit of this and just blacked out the entire weekend. Like I don't remember anything. Yeah. And uh and the funniest part was we were at an after hour we were at our friend's bar and it was becoming it was getting close to after hours. So all of our our friend owned it, all of our friends worked there, like the guy had three different bars. We used to call it they had, he had three bars and two were next to each other and one was across the street. So we used to call it the Barmuda Triangle. <laughs> like you remember going in, but you never yeah. remember coming out. <laughs> so so this was one Saturday night, it was fourth of July, and uh and we were out and it was it was fucking bad in like the best way possible. Uh so we were in the back room just hanging out. Like we used to just gravitate there towards the end of the night, like right around like one thirty, two o'clock. Because back in the day bars would stay open till four AM. Yeah, but I used to, I started going to bars, it was at least it was three, four. Yeah, we were out we were out late. Yeah, the good old days. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh so we're all hanging out in the back, but the people up front, the, the, you know, the actual bar patrons, um, you know, they were, they weren't leaving. Like they were just giving our buddy a hard time. They were taking forever to leave. And so we're back there. It's like 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes, 45 minutes later. And at this point I'm bored as shit. Like I'm all hopped up. I'm ready to roll. I need people to talk to. I got to crack some jokes. Like, so I just stood up and just started cracking jokes on all my friends, just letting it rip and don't remember any of it. I show up to lunch the next day and, <laughs> and our friend, our friend, Laura, she was, she was a server at the bar. Um, she was just like, you were real funny last night. And I was like, oh, fuck, that is not. <laughs> like, whenever I would get that, Ant, it was like, I always just did some outlandish shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes I got in trouble for it. Sometimes it didn't. Uh, and uh, as soon as she said that, I was like, oh, fuck. What? Like, what happened? And she goes, oh, no, you were fine. You just you just got up and started cracking jokes on everybody. Um uh, have you ever done comedy? Like you should do, you should do stand up. And uh, I laughed it off, got lunch, sobered up and, uh, and then went on my way. And, but the, after that weekend, I was like, you got to stop drinking, pal. Like you gotta, yeah. you gotta take a break. Those, those, those bracelets are going to be on you real quick. And, uh, and so about a week goes by and I didn't forget, like, I didn't forget her telling me that I should do stand up. And, and so I'd grown up, Loving stand-up, uh, you know, Carlin is king to me. Yep. Uh, and 100%. the greatest quote that I ever heard from, well, one of them, I should say, uh, he goes, find what makes you nuts and make it funny. You know, find what drives you nuts and make it funny. And so I just started writing. And at that point, I was just, I was seeing what's going on in the news, and I was just getting really annoyed with white people, just like, Every day you're seeing something. Karens are popping up. Yep. Chads are popping up. <laughs> um, you know, and so I just started writing jokes about white people. You know, I, I listen. I got inside knowledge. Yeah, <laughs> and, we, uh, <laughs> I might know about the subject. It's right, and so, uh, and so I wrote. I don't know. Back then, you, you think it was like five or six minutes, I guess. And so I went to this one show that was downtown and um, my buddy had my buddy Tony was running it. And Tony looked like a miniature version of Michael Clark Duncan, like the big dude from the Green yeah. Mile. And I went there one night, just wanted to watch, just wanted to hang out. Um, asked me if I wanted to go up. So now I'm, I'm all set. And uh, I came back the next week. Same, same interaction. No, I'm just going to watch, just going to hang out. Third week I come back and, and, uh, and he didn't come up to me. And I was like, I go to our friend who was bartender, this chick Chelsea. And I was like, Hey, can you, can you go get Tony? I I, kind of want to, I kind of want to go up. I want, I want to, I want to try this. And, um, and sure enough, Tony comes over and he was like, Oh man, I, I, I wish I'd known ahead of time. Uh, show is packed. We're a little bit overbooked. Um, but this is your first time, right? And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, it'll be my first time. And so he goes, all right, 
hold on. He comes back a few minutes later. He goes, all right, I got four minutes for you. So he goes up, does his hosting thing, first comic, second comic, and then throws me up. And I felt like I was, like, trudging through mud trying to get up on – like, I was so nervous. I thought I was going <laughs> to shit my pants. Like, uh, you know, I, I'd never been more nervous and yet more excited in my entire life. And I got on stage, and it was basically like an all-black crowd. And I just started shitting on white people the entire fucking time. <laughs> so, needless to say, it went over very, he did very well. well. Yeah. Um, he, he said to me, he goes, the funniest thing about watching your set was not even so much the jokes, was the fact of you trying to perform while they're still applauding and clapping from the last joke. Like, you didn't even know what an applause break was, and you're still trying to tell your jokes. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, I'll fucking, I'll, I'll cut off a toe to get an applause break. Oh, like, yeah, you'll, is... I'll sit in that all day long. I love right? it. Yeah. Let, let me just bask in this. Yep. Let's, let's, let's go. Um, and so uh, so it went well, and, and that was the moment. That was the moment. That was, that was the moment where my entire life changed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and stand-up is the first thing. And only thing that I've ever done the first time where I was like, oh, this is what you should be doing with the rest of your life. I like, hands down. Same feeling I had, yep. That's what you should be doing. And uh, and I just never, never looked back, man. Um, never looked back. And let me tell you, it's, you know, as you, as I'm probably preaching to the fucking choir, man, it, it's a, it's a struggle, dude. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's something where, when people come up to you after a show and they're like, Hey man, I needed that. Hey man, what you were doing about drugs and and getting sober, Mm -hmm. I needed, I needed that. Like I've had two instances in the last few years where it's like one woman just lost a family member to suicide and came to the comedy show to get her mind off of it and gave me a big hug after. and was like, I fucking thank you. I needed this. And, uh, and last month I was up at the funny bone up in Albany and I met a couple and the husband had just gotten sober. He'd been sober for nine days, wow. nine days. He was in detox. That's how bad it was. And when they heard me get up and I let it rip for like 25 minutes, um, the wife said to the husband, she was like, Oh, this is, yeah, this is it. We, uh, she was like, when I heard your jokes, I knew we made the right decision. Yeah, because you know so, it is too. Like you know, you're talking about stuff that's very personal, very painful. Uh, yeah. and you're making it funny, and that guy sitting there nine days in probably has no hope. There's like nothing. He's like, you know, I don't know if I could do this. And now here yeah. you are, somebody who's done that, and now you're talking about it, making it funny. I, I got to think that's got to sit with him. Like, no, this is this is possible. I, I can I can make it out of this. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like, honestly, dude, he, um, this was his uh, second wife, you know, he was a girl dad, or mm-hmm. is a girl dad, and so, like, after the show, we ended up, there's a fucking arcade <laughs> below the comedy club at the, at the uh, Crossgates Mall, Apex Arcade or some shit, and, like, and so we went and just drank seltzer. And uh, it was me, the headliner, and this couple just hanging out, playing. Perfect. That's perfect. It's just like, you know, and that's what it's about to me. It's like I used to do a lot of um, fundraiser shows. They used to do um, at the clubs here on Long Island Thursday, Sundays and Thursdays. uh, They used to do a lot of fundraisers. And most of the times it was like baseball, football. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then you had like, you know, events like where it was for, for cancer or ALS or these diseases where, you know, where people were in pain and people that were going lost people to these things. And you had those moments where people would come out and one, I, one lady, I never got McGuire's comedy club. Um, and she came out and said to me, she goes, I wasn't even going to come tonight. I wasn't going to leave my house because I have no, I have just no desire to. And she goes, you guys made me laugh. And she goes, I didn't know how much I really needed that. And, and, you know, I've had, you hear those things and, you know, as comics, you know, a lot of, you know, we try not, you know, we act 
like too cool, too cool for school where we don't try to act, take it seriously. But you gotta understand like what you're dealing with there is that you don't know what these people are going, these individual people that are going through in, in the, in the, in the audience. And you can reach somebody like that and grab and touch them and, and, and bring that in. That's, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a high. That's a power that I, I don't think that anything else can give you. Yeah. I mean, no. I've, I'm not, I've never really done drugs, but I mean, just, oh. I'm a food addict. That was, that's my thing is, um, I, yeah. Well, as a former drug addict, yeah. uh, I can tell you it beats any drug I've ever done. Yeah. I mean, I, that, yeah. I get, uh, um, a high from food where I'll, you know, I binge and I go comatose yeah. for a little while. Um, and that's, that was, that's my, I was, that's my, you know, cross the bear. And again, nothing has been better than the, the thrill I got on stage. You know, yeah. nothing's been worth anything I ever wanted to do than the getting that first laugh. And like my first time on stage, I got heckled like two minutes in. No shot. It was an open wow. mic. Yeah. Open mic, um, open yeah. mic night at the club. And some guy just yelled something out and I just turned to him and I just went off. I, I went like, I don't know what happened. I just, and I just went off on him and, it, and the yeah, crowd yeah. loved it. And I guess that in my, my real life, I'm, I'm like that too. If somebody says something, boom, I got right back at them. Yeah. Um, but I didn't even know what being heckled was. I didn't know, like, it was just like, you know, you, you just walk on. I'm so nervous. My first time ever, I'm trying to remember yeah. these bad jokes that I wrote. And this guy just yelled something out. And I, I don't even remember what he yelled. I just turned and just like lost it. And just saw red. Yeah. Um, but then I had that same feeling you had, like, this is it. This is what I've always wanted to do. I've never felt more yeah. accepted now than I've ever felt in my life. Yeah. And how do I do this like every day? <laughs> this has become a part yeah. of my life. Well, and that's the thing. It's like this special club. It's camaraderie. It's like, yo, you could go anywhere, anywhere in the world. And if you meet another comic, you'll have an instant bond, instant bond, instant connection. And I think that that's, I think that that's fucking special, man. Um, you know, we all just, people in general just want to be accepted. Mm -hmm. We all want to be accepted. We want to be seen. We want to be heard. And comics do all three of those things, I think. Oh, especially, absolutely. Uh, you know, I think especially if you're on the road, like if you're a new comic, um, you know, if you're a new comic in a big city or like if you're just a comic like on the road, you know, it, it, I don't know, man. It, it's wild. My first, the first city that I uh, toured in was Chicago. Oh, wow. And um, yeah. And like never been more accepted by a comedy scene other than, you know, my own before, you know, before COVID when everybody would hang <laughs> out, uh, you know, um, Chicago, it's just, it's just amazing. I've always oh, you wanted come, to Oh, go. you're a comic. You're from New York. Cool. And then you just start talking. It could be about comedy. Mm -hmm. It could be about life. It could be about bits, like whatever it is. It's just that instant, instant connection. Yeah. My first road gig was in Philly. Uh, so I got nice. to play the Philadelphia crowd, which they're great. I mean, it's people, you know, I'm, I was thinking like, cause I'm a sport, big sports fan. I'm thinking like Philadelphia sports fans, I'm like, Oh, they're going to kill me. Once they yeah. say I'm from New York, but no, they, they were awesome. And it was just like, they, and they were up for anything. And, yeah. um, it was, it was a blast. So a lot of my early road gigs I used to do for this guy, pickle man in Philly, you know, pickle man. <laughs> no, but I fucking love the name, dude. That's yeah. so legit. One of my, all right. One of my best friends, his nickname is pickle. So, okay. Well, they, uh, they called him pickle man because he would sell pickles out of like a U-Haul that he a used U-Haul that he bought. They were, and I don't like pickles. My dad likes, but I used to bring them back for him. He's like, oh, these are the best pickles I ever had. So like, he's known around Philly as Pickle Man, and he has like, he had this wig. It looked like he looked like Rod Stewart, almost like a yeah. like a bigger version of Rod Stewart with the hair. Um, and he would go up and he would host the shows and he would tell like his bad jokes for ten minutes and then bring you up and, but it was fun. I mean, he he put good shows together. We went to Gino's afterwards, got cheesesteaks, um, nice. sat at the VIP table. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't beat that, but it was just, it's just funny. Like the people you run into in this, and sometimes I'll say pickle man and people be like, cause they work from before they know exactly the, the whole, yeah, 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 yeah. the whole thing that went with it. But that's, that's comedy. You guys like pickle man who run their own shows. It's fucking great. Dude. <laughs> it's fucking it's such a hustle. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So <sighs> I mean, uh, and I do had COVID since COVID I've kind of like slowed down a little bit. I, I went hard for like, you know, like 11 straight years, just 
And yeah. uh, it'll be 13 years uh, in end of March that I, I first Congrats, got on stage. Man. Thank you. That's awesome. And um, like I tried doing a, a DVD years ago. And yeah, I had yeah. the idea of doing it with like, I was going to film sketches that would go in and out of the the bits and stuff like that, that has yeah, something to yeah, do yeah. with it. And it just never came yeah. together. Damn. Um, so I, you know, I have this 45 minutes on tape and, uh, I never released it, but I would love okay. to do something again. So like, I always, when you were like, I'm, I've got an album out, I'm like, yes, I, I want to talk to you about it. I want to, I want to yeah. hear about it. I want to promote it. Um, because it is such hard work that goes into it. Now the we talk about the name 40 for 40, does that have any meaning besides the ESPN thing? Is it like a special thing for you? Um, well, I was 40 when I recorded it. Okay. Um, and um, it's 40 when I recorded it. It's a little over 40 minutes, uh, which is good because I feel like people don't have, you know, attention spans anymore. No. So <laughs> it's it's not it, – it's funny. I did an hour, but I trimmed it down to like 43 or 44. Four minutes, I think, something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I ran it. I just once I had the idea, I ran with it. Uh, ran it by the person I was seeing at the time, and uh, and she was all on board with it. And that that was that. Yeah, like I said, the name's great because I'm like the Thirty for Thirty is like my favorite documentary series. Um, yeah. Especially the whole the Last Dance thing that that I watched, um, which. Doesn't get you motivated for something. You just you just see that one with Michael Jordan and talk about the Chicago yeah. Bulls. Oh my god! Yeah, um, I never felt like more of a useless person in my life after watching Michael Jordan, like what he was doing and yeah. how he would get pumped up to do things. I'm like, yeah, I'm just gonna sit on the couch tonight and just watch television. Like you know, he's like yeah. you know, psyching himself up. Like he would make stories up about players, things they said to him to to get like you know into that space, which is I, on a whole nother level. I mean, I, I don't yeah. think I'll ever be there with anything, but, um, so you got that album done. Is there now plans for a second album or are you going to let this marinate for a little while and, uh, just like, you know, get back to work? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm going to let it marinate, uh, you know, certainly kind of relish in this, this accomplishment. Yeah. I used to be like one of these people where, um, you know, if something bad happened, I would like ruminate on it for forever. But if something I did something well, cool, awesome. Now we're on to the next thing. So I really, I, I um, over COVID, I really put a big emphasis on my own, just like mental health and in, in being better about these things. And so, um, so I'm gonna marinate in this. I mean, I'm I'm starting starting to write new material. I mean, for the last few months, all I've been doing is just a, a lot of writing. Um, and, um, you know, I'd like to do, yeah, I like to do a crowd work one. I mean, that, that's, that's, I mean, that's a hot thing now, but yeah. crowd work was always my thing before it was everybody's thing. Um, you know, my nickname is, as you could tell by my handle, it's been Ralph the mouth since I was fucking 14 years old. So I've always, always been quick. quick, always had something to say. I got a lot of clips up on, on, uh, Instagram. So, um, I, I, I think that whole crowd work stuff started when every comic started doing it now with TikTok and, and, and reels, yeah. because like you want to make the reel that, you know, you said the funny thing to the person or this and that, you know, and I think that's, I, I don't know if you agree with this or not. I think it's, I think TikTok and reels are the worst thing for stand-up comedy um, for the whole the attention span. Um, yeah. It's just that one thing. I, I know it's great to bring eyes to it and everything, but um, the old school guy in me is like, no, there's nothing like going to a club, seeing these people that actually put in the time and not somebody that can yeah. get followers because they can lip sync a song and do a dance. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. Listen, I, I agree with you. Uh, I, I definitely agree with you, but I think you have to be, I think you have to be adaptable. Yeah. And, um, you know, in the name, and this is the name of the game now, you know, it's either adapt or die. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of us, we've worked too hard to get to these points where it's like, if we just put more emphasis onto certain aspects of it, like, for instance, this kind of all kind of, this kind of all, this change of thing kind of all came about in the last like few months, uh, for me, because, uh, I just, I had to make a change. Things had, things just were not, 
things had to change. And so I was always of the mindset of hang out at the clubs, show your face, yep. do the mics, do the material, you get better, then you get into the club, and that's how you build your following. Same way with me. And that is complete. That model is <laughs> gone. fucking gone. It's gone. Gone. Um, now it doesn't matter if you really hang out at a club. No. Not at all. They don't give a fuck. I feel like they don't. Uh, I think since you know, COVID, they don't want anybody around. They're like, hey, go home. <laughs> don't don't yeah, come down if you're not to be uh, here. Yeah, I mean, even right before COVID, dude, there was a, there was a club where I had been working consistently, and um, and they kind of changed their policies. And um, when I found out the reason why I wasn't getting booked was because I didn't have five. It was like five thousand Instagram followers or more. So they just stopped. No, it didn't matter how that's funny crazy. I was. That's crazy. That's that's didn't insane matter. to me. Um, so so now uh, now in the last few months after working a little bit more on the road again, I came to this just conclusion where it's like you just got to put the emphasis on that. Like now people are having they have their social media following, then they get into the club and yeah. then they get funny or they just keep going club to club to club and not getting funny. Um, I don't, I don't know. That's so but. insane to me because like my social media following is not from comedy. It's from weight loss and this podcast. Okay. And it does not cross nice. over very well. It does not like the asses do not come to the sea. You know, it's like, it's hard for me to draw from that uh, to yeah. bring it to a club because it's two different worlds. Um, so like that, that to me is insane that a, a a booker of a club or a club owner would would base it on a number on an Instagram page when you have to look at really what's who's behind that. Like you know, yeah. Like as I come on here and I I'm this is this is, I'm very real and open and honest. I talk about this, my weight loss struggles and uh, losing weight and putting weight back on and everything. And it's not much of a comedy podcast in the sense like I'm I'm you know you see those clips all the time. You know, the guys have the like, you know, Legion of skanks and stuff like that, where it's, it's funny. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious. It's not a talk show like that. So like, you know, when club owners hear that, I have a fun, but they don't come. These people don't really come necessarily come to see the comedy part. Cause a lot of the times when I put comedy on the page, they hate it or they, they get offended or it's not, yeah. you know, I made a joke during COVID one time about like, cause I'm, I'm single. I have no kids. And, they were they didn't they were gonna keep the kids out the rest of the year and parents like in an uproar and I'm like well what does it say for your kids that you know you want teachers to spend all day with them but you don't want to spend all day some some it was a throwaway joke that if I had tagged it onto a joke I did about being single and not wanting kids it had been yeah. fine in a club and yeah, I just yeah, yeah. was it was during COVID I just wrote it because like I needed to write something it was just and. I got such backlash from this thing and someone's like, Oh yeah. Cause you make breakfast for your nephews once a month that, you know, you think you could be a parent and give and give advice. I'm like, well, it's pancakes. I make the pancake breakfast once a month. And it's exciting. And yeah, like, I was like, it's a joke. And then like, I got these DMS people like, you know, there's one lady just want to go off on me and call me like a horrible person. And that I should be ashamed of myself and that maybe I should get sick and have to deal with it. And I'm like, lady, I said, what you don't realize is that what I love to do the most got taken away from me. Just taken away. So everybody's affected by this. Just because I don't have kids in school doesn't mean that I'm not affected by COVID. I can't go yeah. do what I want to do that I've done for the last 11 years. I can't go do that. Which yeah. kind of understood then, but, you know, I just feel like that's the kind of world we're living in. We're, we're, we're worrying too much about, like, social media and stuff like that. That, I mean, you have to see it. Do you feel like there's anything you can't say on stage anymore? I mean, so certain, absolutely certain things. Yes. But you know what I'm saying? Like, as far as like jokes, do you have, no, to I, uh, uh, I, I think people are way too fucking sensitive. Mm -hmm. I think people are overly sensitive. I think they look, I think people are more, they look for things. They're more hyper aware. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I'm I'm old school, man. Uh, I I think you should be able to say, you should be able to say anything, but you should be able to articulate it. Like we're supposed to be the pros here. We're supposed to be the comedians. Yes. So, uh, I think, I think comedians sometimes need to step it up, and you know, not certainly not calling anybody out. This is not that at all, but. <laughs> 
you know, being being on stage as a comic isn't carte blanche to say whatever the fuck you want and have no cares of who it offends or not. Uh, I think there is, um, I think there's a line, and I I think I think doing jokes for shock value are just as bad as like getting famous for lip syncing videos. I agree. I agree. Cause um, that has to be, I, I always like reasons why we like Carlin and prior and all these, you know, these legends is because when they said something, even though if you didn't believe it or it was, it was against your beliefs. Yeah. It was so goddamn funny and so well-crafted and such a, yeah. like I, I love Ted Alexandro. Um, oh, Dude. I don't agree with a lot of the stuff he puts out there politically, you know, yeah. but he did a joke one time um, about cops. And I have family in law enforcement. I'm very pro law enforcement. But it was so funny that I, I'm like, this is absolutely hilarious. I'm like, I don't care what you believe. That's funny. It's a joke. Like, just it. take it for what it is. And like, you know. And I, I know you saw all the comments, like just people like, oh, we'll see if you ever need a cop. Like, well, what's going to happen? I'm like, that's a, you missed the whole point. People forget how to laugh. Yeah. People forget that it's just a joke. There's just joke. fucking words. Jokes. Carlin has a joke about words, um, and I'm certainly not going to repeat it, but it's brilliantly written, and it's so insane, the stuff that he says. But they're ju- at the end of the day, they're just mm-hmm. words. It's the context. But see, this is the thing. This is the thing. This is why we have a problem with stand-up. Yeah. Because our education in this country is going down every fucking year. Every year we get a little bit dumber. Not enough to notice, but after 10 years, you're like, oh, why are we so fucking stupid? Why are <laughs> why why are we not, you know, why are we not where we used to be? Because we're dumbing it down. We're trying to change things all across the educational system and people just don't realize what's going on. So people don't even understand context because they're not smart enough to understand context. Uh, They hear one word and don't, they can't see. That's it. They they can't see the rest of the joke. They got the blinders on. Exactly. Um, You know, and, and maybe it's a lot of guilt by association. I think comics just, we're all the same to, to a lot of people. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, you hear, you know, people come to comedy clubs and um, they sometimes, sometimes in the crowd, they want to make it about them. You know, it's like they're, I, I, I did a joke about, this is going back a while ago. This is when um, Trump was first running. It was a joke about the wall, but it was, mm-hmm. ended up being that I want a Canadian wall because they're stealing our jobs. It was, it's, it's, you know, and I forget what the joke was, you know, and it wasn't about any side. It was just taking it and flipping it and, you know, making fun of Canadians, basically. Um, It was, you know, and it was just, it just kind of got everybody like their assholes puckered a little bit. And then it just flipped them. And as a comic, that that was fun. And I started the joke and one lady was like, no, I don't want to hear that tonight. I'm like, well, ma'am, I said, you're not the only one. I said, let's just hear the joke. And listen, if you don't like the joke, I promise I won't tell it. I won't tell it ever again. That's and she's it. like, and I, she goes, well, I don't want to hear it. I said, we have two choices. I could do the next five minutes on you, or I could tell this joke. And she goes, well, yeah. I don't want to hear it. So I just ripped her apart for like five minutes. So after and, which she came yeah. out and she was like, all right, funny man, tell me the joke. I told it to her. And she's like, oh, you're right. That's not even about politics. I'm like, yeah, maybe just know, think that the person on stage knows what they're doing. Like for five yeah. seconds. Yeah. Dude, I do. I do a joke where I talk about uh, it. It. The lead up to it is you think it's going to be a political joke. Mm-hmm. And it's like, listen, I don't care how you vote. Vote blue, vote red, vote Democrat, vote Republican. I don't give a fuck because I can't vote at all. I'm a felon. <laughs> Which is funny. I mean, it's, you know, it's Which like. just hilarious. Yeah. And then I follow it up and say, I'm really not. I'm not a felon. Not at all. But it's easier to tell people that I'm a felon rather than just tell them I'm not voting for somebody because I don't agree with their fiscal policy. Yeah, it's it's insane. It used to be like, you know. Politics was funny. Like, you know, you remember, I remember growing up and watching, you know, the late night shows with Letterman and, and Leno and all the, I mean, no matter who was in office, they made fun of them. It started with Trump. 
Yeah, it really yeah. started with Trump. One hundred percent, and that's where that that's where that premise for the the idea for that fucking joke. That's where it came from. Mm-hmm. Because if you looked at me, people would think that I vote for Trump. You would think people would think <laughs> that, and it's like I'm not. I'm not getting guilt by association. I'm a felon. <laughs> yeah. Who you, you, you vote for? You vote for Trump? No, I'm a felon. I can't vote. Sorry. It used to be like I remember like um, voting. It was your. It was secret. You were. You know. It was your right, and like no one cared. And it was. It's insane. It's like now. It's like you know. People want to know. It's almost like you know. Are you going to be into? The, are you accepted in this club? Can you come in here? Or you can't come in here. And, and I think even with comedy, you see it now too, because you have now you have the comics that is so on the right and so on the left, and it kind of like splits things apart. Yeah. Where I'm like the whole point. I'm like, if you go back and listen to George Carl, I mean, we keep bringing him up, but George Carl, he talks about he talks about him both sides, and like he's yeah. almost like a prophet in a way. You go back and listen to the stuff he was talking about in the '70s. It's happening now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, when you're talking about people talking about their their political beliefs and, and keeping voting secret, uh, Chappelle, Chappelle has one of the most brilliant jokes yeah. about the secrecy of politics. Yep, and he's trying to find out what the, the, this guy how this guy voted, and the guy was like, oh, uh, "Don't ask me that, Dave. Let me tell you how I was fucking my wife the other night, or some shit like that." And you're just like, "What the fuck, dude?" What? He is brilliant too. Like, you know, I think he's the closest thing we have now to somebody that can go up there and just say whatever they want. And it almost, and he's bulletproof in that way. Um, because I, you know, cause he is so funny and his jokes yeah. are so good. Like he did it. He did a monologue on SNL yeah. and, he, and he talked about Trump, which is, you know, that's like, oh, it's like a bad word to say on stage because you know, it can turn the crowd really fast. And he did it almost like he where he was like he told you everything he was gonna do and you just didn't believe him and it was just so f- how he put it together was just brilliant yeah. and yeah. I'm like you have to laugh because in the beginning you can hear people kind of like laugh, wanting to laugh but not laughing and at the end he just had them like they had no choice but to laugh and he does that yeah. with everything I mean you go back and listen to his stuff it's just it's it's brilliant and they like I said they're jokes they're just jokes. <laughs> it's it's all we're doing. We, 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 we gotta fucking lighten up, man. Yeah, no, myself, I'm very autobiographical, um, so I really don't talk about too much stuff that's in the news and stuff like that because I'm not somebody who watches current events. I'll watch the same romantic comedy like 17 times in a row and cry myself to sleep at night each time. Um, that's just what I like to do. Uh, so, but like, so I I talk yeah. about like my family and whatever's going on in my life and. Um, mm-hmm. that's where I draw from. So I guess that's how I've kind of stayed like in the middle and kind of kind of played any crowd. Are you, are you very autobiographical or are you like talking about what's going on in the world? Um, so I used to be, I used to do a lot of observations, mm-hmm. uh, and then do a few stories. And then, uh, then after June of 2020, I was like, no one wants to hear my fucking point of view. <laughs> Why? Why do that to yourself? So I started writing stories and then working my observations in nice. through that avenue. And um, and it's kind of paid off, you know? I mean, listen, I love telling a good story. That's, uh, that is always, um, that was always my, not, I don't want to say bread and butter, but like comedy just started to become easier for me when I was the same person on stage and off stage. Like I'm always, I always got stories to tell. Like, yeah, I, Oh, listen, dude, I've had a fucking wild life. Um, I've done some shit, man. And you're just like, what? And I can't even, I can't even talk about it. Like on this, like my family will probably see this, uh, you know, like, Oh, there's stuff they don't know about. Okay. That's, Oh my God. Yeah. I have certain family members that do know. And then there's a lot of family that just doesn't know. And that's fine. And that's good for them. My dad probably finds out most of the stuff that like I talk about like from here, like, you know, just stuff I don't want to tell anybody because I don't know. I get this microphone. I start talking and things like I, at the beginning I was talking about my Patreon episode. I literally just turned thing on because I get a Patreon episode out. I didn't have one for a little while because I had some uh, medical problems beginning of the year and um, I I was just like, I was just focusing, getting back on track and doing my thing. And then, I was driving home the other day. I just had stuff to talk about. And like, I'm like, I blacked out. Like, I don't know what I said. 
And yeah. I got I got the first I get people like, oh my god, I relate to this so much. I'm like, oh, I definitely talked about too much, and people yeah. are relating to it yeah. now. <laughs> my parents, my parents found out that I used to be a drug addict while watching my YouTube videos <laughs> with their best friends, <laughs> and they were like, what? And then the lady goes, oh yeah. Matt, Mike, whoever the fuck it was. Oh, yeah, we, we had our own problems with cocaine too. It's okay. Yeah, the what? the relating thing is 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 still blows like still blows my mind. Like I came on here yeah. um one time and I was talking about like getting healthy and getting on track and my why is, you know, I'm, I'm an uncle. I love being an uncle. And I started crying on the podcast. Like I just did I just I lost my shit and Yeah. People love that. Like, it's like they love, they're like, oh, my God, give me more of that. Like, it's like, you know, the happy, you know, it's like, yeah. like, I like when I'm happy, but, like, they were like, when they can relate to something. So even when you're talking about having problems with, with drugs and alcohol, people don't talk about that. Like, they they keep, that's something, like, people sometimes keep private most of their lives. And it's like when they hear yeah. somebody now, okay, in the forefront talking about it, they're going to gravitate towards that. They, they want to pull that in. They, they, they want to, you know, relate to it in a way. And I think yeah. if you're talking about that on stage, like I said in the beginning, that guy who was nine nine days out. I mean, you're probably getting you're you're reaching more people with that than you realize. Well, and that's and that's the thing. I, I think I I think I look at my comedy so differently now, uh, especially especially over the last like two years, um, especially over the last like two years, two and a half years, because it's like my life had changed so much. And um, I, when I had gone through acting school, um, I finished up on zoom during COVID. Okay. And, um, and the whole premise of being a good actor is to be vulnerable, to be your most vulnerable self. The best quote I heard was from my instructor. And he said, uh, great actors are acrobats of the human condition. And I think that that is so on par and so uh, so on brand for for being a comic. Yeah, you know, it's like, listen, you would look at you if you looked at me like I, you know, you would never assume that I do the things that I do. Like, you know, dude, I wake up, I meditate twice a day. Uh, you know, I meditate twice a day. I journal twice a day. You know, uh, I'm into crystals, beads. I, I like, I fucking like astrology. Whatever I do too. Fucking, Yo, fucking make fun of me! I don't give. A I fuck. had my cards read last week on the on the podcast. I, I have yeah. my tarot cards. I'm I'm into that too. I, I I get my oracle cards read. Um, I go to psychic mediums. I mean, I'm I'm I get made fun of all the time by the other comics about things I'm I'm yeah. into. Yeah. The thing that people forget is that the universe has been around for eons, crazy amounts, billions of and billions and billions of years. Can't even You're gonna it. tell me that there is not some kind of like ancient vibration some ancient level of energy that's floating around that's not floating around it is i think it's one of the coolest things you know we say everything's a coincidence nothing is coincidence i i kind everything of all yeah, planned out. i believe that too and um you know i do like to take time for myself and just like decompress um yeah. and you have to especially you know with with just the way the world's been the last couple of years and um, just even at the, the tough day, just to like, just shut everything off and just like center, get back yeah. to it. And just like, you know, all right, how are we going to attack the next day? Or how are we going to attack this next part of it? And yeah. um, it, it's definitely good. And because I know, you know, being around comics a lot, you know, we definitely got something loose, the screw loose. There's something, I mean, everyone I've met, I'm not saying it's bad in a bad way. I'm just saying, but there's something that, there's not right in the head that makes you want to take your most vulnerable and painful moments and bring it on stage and joke about it and, you know, make, make funny with it. And because most of the things that sometimes I talk about, I'm like, I wouldn't tell strange. I w I'm telling strangers this, and I don't tell family members. So I do think that after, you know, to, to get to that point, I, yeah. it is, it's very important to take care of the mental health aspect of it and to take care of yourself that way. So I definitely, you know, that's awesome that you, you do that to take care of yourself and, and make yourself ready to, you know, hit the stage yeah. the next time. Thank you, man. Yeah. I mean, like right on the back, right? Those are fucking mantras on the back wall. Same every day, every fucking day, man. Uh, yeah. It's funny. Once I wrote this whole bit about men crying 
And I'll never forget, I had a comic tell me, because the joke, I, I tried it out on a mic. And a comic that went after me or the host was just like, uh, give it up for Ralph to try to do Brooklyn comedy in this room. And you're like, really? Yeah, like, why? Really? Why? <laughs> What's the point? You? I think it's manly to cry. I think it's, I, I think. Preach to the choir. Manly to cry in public <laughs> because no one fucking does it. <laughs> no, and I, I, one thing I'm happy about not about that's coming out of these last couple of years with COVID and everything is really getting in touch with men's mental health. Um, I think it's more acceptable now to admit that you have anxiety and that you have fears and that you are vulnerable and there are things that, you know, I think it just, the last couple of years broke everybody. You know, you can't, you lock people away for two years. It's like, you know, something's going to come out and I'm happy that people are talking about it. And, you know, I deal with anxiety and it's something that happened later on, in my life, like towards beginning of my forties. And yeah. it was, it's scary as shit when it first started happening. I thought I was dying. I thought my, my chest was going to explode. Um, and I, you know, I would call my friends in the middle of the night. I, I have a friend, I think we have a mutual friend, Tracy Carnazzo. Um, I, Tracy's like, you call me any time of day, night. And she has literally talked me off the ledge as far yeah. as like, you know, mid panic attack i i'll i'll call her and she knows right away my voice and she has talked me down so many times and like you're okay yeah. and she's like just like you're you're breathing you're okay and and i never if this i think if it was like 10 years ago i i don't know how i wouldn't have dealt with it i just would have somehow pushed it down even further and it would yeah. have ate away at me somehow yeah. and, and i i don't know what would have happened but i'm i'm so happy now yeah. that it's in the forefront yeah, dude, same way. Ten years ago, I would have drank myself silly. Mm-hmm. I would have drank and drugged myself. Dude, I'm literally just coming out of, like, a three-month fucking depression. So I I, I get it 1,000 fucking percent, and I've talked to Tracy. <laughs> I was talking to Tracy at least, like, once a week, man. Oh, she's the um, best with that stuff. I'll tell you what. You can't ask for a better fucking friend than Tracy Carnazzo. 100%. Um, 100%. And the thing of it was, is I was there, I was there for her when she was going through some shit and I didn't even think twice about it. Didn't even think twice. And, um, and when she found out what I was going through, she was, she just messaged me and was like, kind of the same thing. Hey, you yeah. call, you text whenever she always, and she'll stay on the phone with you. I talked, I talked to it. I fucking talked to her two weeks ago for like two hours on a Friday night. Yeah, she's like just, she's available. Uh, yeah. Same thing. Like, yeah, I will call her, and she can tell in my voice if something's wrong, and she gets it out of me. And then, like, I've called, I've texted her in the middle of the night, "You up?" And she knows what that means. That means I'm thinking I'm gonna die. And yeah. she calls and talks me through it. And um, because I I had a end up having a gallbladder attack. Uh, oh fuck! Yeah, it was it was pretty. Bad. It was the worst pain I've ever felt in my life, and I had badass yeah. reflux. So the first time it happened, I guess I didn't know what it was. I thought like I was literally dying. And yeah. she talked me through it, how to even lay on the bed, like make sure you prop yourself up. And I fell asleep. And so the sure. second time it happened, I did everything she told me to, but it didn't go away. So I texted her in the morning. I said, I, I think there's something wrong. And she stayed on the phone with me until I got to you know the hospital and, and everything. And she yeah. messaged my brother during the day. You know, have you heard anything? Because I was, I had bad reception in, in the hospital. I wasn't getting any messages. Um, yeah. And yeah, she's always there. And I was actually talking to her on the way home from work, just about you know random things. And um, it's it's good to have people like that that understand what's going on and what people are going through. Um, yeah. Because you know, you you talk to people and you, you mention this stuff, and they kind of like you know. They make you feel bad for it in a way where you have no, it's not, you really can, you wish you could, I don't, yeah, I wish I could control it. Wish I didn't have those feelings. I wish it wasn't going on. The lack of empathy that we have now is so fucking atrocious. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish, honestly, and this sounds horrible to say, but I wish COVID didn't go away. I wish it was still fucking sky high because you know what? People became people again. You remember 
I don't know if they were doing in Long Island. I'm I'm in Queens. I'm in Astoria. Yeah. People are banging on their fucking pots for medical workers. They were doing it here. Yeah. Stop. My my sister was in the trenches. She worked at South Nassau uh, okay. during that time. So I mean, yeah. things that she was telling us, it was you know it was a war zone, and yeah. I could these people got up every day and went back to it. You know, and it's it's yeah, people empathize and they, you know, you they looked out for each other and you know you. It was just it's and it it always seems there has to be some kind of a tragedy for that to happen, you know. You look at, you know, after nine eleven, I remember people were nice to each other, um, yeah, because we all went through this thing. And um, after Sandy, same thing, like you know, people lost houses and this and that, like you know, and people were nice to each other again. And it always takes that to have some kind of empathy towards somebody else, and then we lose it for a, a long time, and then yeah, comes back again. Because we're run by these. Yeah. We're run by our phones, man. And, um, you know, it. it's just, it's a shame. It's like people, we should be better. Like, we just should be better. Yeah. We, we have, we have the ability to it, but it, 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 it's, it's almost like we have the, the, um, the attention span of a goldfish. You know, we got it for three seconds, and then boom, we're off to something else. And again, goes back to the phone. Goes the constantly moving all over the fucking place. Yeah, I look at my you nephews know? with that stuff too. Like they, with their devices, they're they love it. My niece too. They're 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 from one thing to another on YouTube, on this and that. Then they, you know, yeah. TikTok, which is I think is probably desensitizing us even more. Because they say, you know, and then they tell you, you want to get, like, traction, it has to be under 10 seconds, and this and that, like, you know. Seven seconds. Seven seconds. Seven, Seven seconds. seconds. I want to talk. I want to do something that's funny. I want to do a bit. Like, I want to do a sketch yeah. or something. Like, yeah. how do you get something in seven seconds? Like, what's what's so funny about seven seconds? I mean, it, you could have something electric that just pops. Yeah. But it, it, it it's just, it's insane. I think, and I'm I'm guilty of this. I'll admit it. I'm guilty. You ever been standing with somebody and you're having a conversation and you get a text and you're still, you think you're talking to them and literally you're just, yeah, no. Guilty. guilty. I'm guilty. Yeah. It's, it's awful. We don't respect each other. Um, We don't respect each other. And I have a joke. It's, it's a joke that I'm working on. And it's a and, and it's basically around this premise where it's we talk a good game, we say we love each other, we yeah. say we respect each other, but we don't because no one ever says goodbye anymore. All we do is text. And you never say goodbye in a text. You just stop talking to that person. Yeah, it just ends. It's like it's just you know <laughs> that's fucking it. Or the thumbs up you, emoji. It's like hey, all right, I'm done now. Thumbs up. Yeah. Like, you know. And if somebody does say goodbye, you're like, you arrogant piece of shit. <laughs> He's like, you can't fucking win anymore. Yeah. Bye. Okay. Goodbye. Yeah, it's... Calm yourself. No one says... It's true. No one says goodbye. No, we just stop talking. That's not... And then people pick up right... You know, it's like... Like, I had some somebody message me, like... They answered a, a text I sent, like, over a week ago. Like, I sent, like, a video or something, like a joke. Yeah. And they sent, they responded to it. But at the time, I actually had deleted the message because my iPhone was getting full. Yeah. So I'm like, I had to think, like, what are they talking about? And like, oh, that video. I'm like, yeah, that was like a week and a half ago. Yeah. Like, you just stopped talking. You just stopped the conversation. Like, you know. Yeah. But it's true, though. Instead of saying, hey, listen, I got to run. Um, heading into work. I'm heading to this. Like, you know, I'll talk to you later. Have a good day. Goodbye. Yeah. No, we don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend tell me a couple months ago, she was, she was like, it's almost as if when you talk to people, it's, it's when it's convenient for you. Yeah. You know, somebody reaches out and I just, dude, I will tell you this. This is how awful it is. I just had this happen today, literally an hour and a half ago. I texted two friends back, two friends from last Wednesday. They texted me saying, congratulations on your album. I'm so happy for you. And I saw it, and granted, it was the album. I was riding high. I was all over the place. Yeah. I was on the road, running around. Um, and I did I did think 
I I thought that I had gotten back to them, but I definitely did. The that first happens. thing out of my mouth is, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. That is so happens. true, man. Yeah. So speaking of the album, where can everybody yeah. find the album? Let's uh let's get everybody so, listening uh, and watching. Everybody it. can find the album. I uh, I have it uploaded on TuneCore. Uh, it's going to be released to Apple, Title, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon, everywhere. Um, it's going to be online. If you follow me on this Instagram, follow me right there. I need the followers. I need the work. I need the bookings. So follow on my link tree. Follow Ralph at Ralph the Mouth eighty one. Yeah, on Instagram, give him a follow. Yeah. Um, go see him live too. Go please to support live comedy. That's how we get more of this stuff going on. Please. Um, do you have anywhere I'm you're going to be that you want to plug? Um, yeah, anything that I want to plug. Um, <laughs> you can plug everything. This is the oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> fuck, no, the big thing I got to plug the album. Support the album, yes. please. Please, a lot of effort went into it. It was two and a half years in the making. Yeah. The first joke I did was the first joke I wrote during COVID. The last joke I, on the album was the last joke I wrote uh, during COVID um, before it was like considered over or whatever. <laughs> um, and I also have a podcast that's out there. It's called Unmasking the Mic. I only have one season out. I'm working on getting the new one up, but the album had to come first. Absolutely. Uh, but it's a mental health podcast where I talk to comedians in therapy. That's great. So, thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go check strong. that out. That's, that's yeah. awesome. That's a, that's a thank great, you. great, great, uh, subject. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly enough, or maybe not, uh, because we know her, but Tracy, I interviewed Tracy. It was the most popular episode that I ever recorded. She, her following, she has the yeah. most loyal following of any yeah. podcaster that, that I know um, her teen mom group. Um, yeah. Like I've done her teen mom podcast. Cause I, I used to watch teen mom. Um, like I was an OG fan. Every time I did her podcast, uh, OG's the best. I mean, I'm, it's, I love watching yeah, train wrecks. Yeah. It's, it's, it, we just talked about like being nice to each other. Like, no, I'll watch a train wreck though. Um, oh, yeah. So I used to, and every time I, I watched her, I did her podcast. I got like at least a hundred followers. And like they, they, they've come here. They commented on my, like, you know, they're, they're very loyal. So, um, and she's a great, great guest. Uh, I, I'm dying to have her back on here. Um, so she could yell at me about things I'm doing wrong in my podcast about my life, uh, for, for for 45 minutes. Um, but yeah, definitely go check out, uh, the special follow Ralph on Instagram at Ralph, the mouth 81. love the name. Um, I think of happy days when I hear it. Is that, is that where you got it from? Or you said no, it was your nickname, right? It was my nickname. Okay. Uh, no, I got it. I got it my freshman year of high school because I wasn't always this big. Like, well, this is actually a nice little, I guess, pl- I don't know. Not, I was going to say plug, but not really because you deal with weight loss and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, I am proud to say that as of uh, yesterday, I've lost 28 pounds. Nice. So, uh, thank you. Love it. And, uh, so I'm, not, I was, but I wasn't always this big, like I'm six, three, I'm, I'm now 220 pounds. Um, but I wasn't this big in high school. Like I was barely six foot. I was maybe 170 pounds, like didn't have a lot of muscle, pale as shit. And, <laughs> um, and I had fucking bullies, man. Yeah. And one of our, one of the bullies I had was our all state fullback. Um, and he, you know, I don't know if he was on juice or not, but I, I definitely knew, I definitely heard some things. I read the four agreements, uh, a couple months ago. So I don't try, I try not to talk ill about anybody. Yeah. You gotta be impeccable with your word. Um, but he was fucking with me in the bathroom one day. Um, and another buddy was in there and he was like, I was smoking a cigarette and he was like, well, what if, what if I tell the coach you can cigarettes? And I was like, I could just tell the coach that I know the guy who you're getting your steroids from. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, didn't, it did not work out for me at all. And, uh, and I wasn't big, but I was fucking smart. And so I just kept no. running my mouth while getting the shit kicked out of me. Love it. And so my buddy was like, Oh fuck, you're Ralph the mouth. And it stuck. That's awesome. That's it awesome. Hence, hence the name at yeah. Ralph the Mouth yeah. 81. Fucking 
27 years later, man, here we are. <laughs> so follow Fuck. Ralph on Instagram. Check out his, his comedy special, 40 for 40. Again, great, great name. I, I'm, I love that name of it. I wish I had thought of something that, that clever, but uh, I just called mine Mrs. D's baby boy. Um, <laughs> oh, dude, a, lot of, a lot of weed, man. A lot of weed. I, I'm all for it. it that's, <laughs> whatever helps. Ralph, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you, uh, this was awesome. It. And thank hopefully we'll, so we'll check in in the future with you and, and see how you're doing. Yeah, man. If uh, listen, you have my info. If there's anything I could help uh, help with, if you, if you're looking to work and I don't know wherever, just let me know if I could ever help open up a door for you. Thank just you, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna, you, I'm gonna take you up on that. I, I look do. Looking thank to work you. more. Thank you so much, Ralph. Hell yeah, everybody. Thank you. I want to thank everybody for joining me here on Insta uh, Instagram, Facebook. As always, I told you I will get something wrong during the podcast, and I got it wrong twice. First was actually sending Ralph the link. And here it was now, <laughs> where we can watch it live. Anyway, the podcast is available at anchor.fm slash KMF podcast. As always, the podcast is available on iTunes. Five-star rate and review. Love reading, love sharing, and bragging about the best podcast listeners out there. That is you guys. We are played in and out each week by Hollow and their single, Something to Believe. My best friend Nick wrote this song. That's right. Check it out on iTunes. And while you're there, his new band, Demon Scar, Dropping new music like crazy. Check them out, demonscar.bandcamp.com. Long Island, only one place to go for your deli needs. That's Finn's Deli, 4646 Merrick Road in Massapequa. Tell my brother Mike you heard the plug on the show, and then get yourself an Uncle Cheese, the best sandwich out there. Not because it's named after me. It really is that good. Finsdeli.com. Once again, thank you so much to everybody who joined us today and everybody listening at home on your podcast listening devices. This has been episode 266. I will talk to you later. Have a great week.